Bass baritone Devon Tynes and Grammy Award-winning violinist Jennifer Coe will tomorrow debut their hour-long performance, Everything Rises, incorporating elements of theater and documentary and music. As two musicians of color in the predominantly white field of classical music, Tynes and Coe explore their personal journeys, family histories, and the process of reclaiming their agency and truth. I sat down with Ken Ueno, composer of Everything Rises, who's also a vocalist, sound artist, and professor at UC Berkeley. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, nice to be here. If you could begin by telling me a bit about Everything Rises and how this project came to fruition. It's Devon Tynes, the singer, bass baritone, and um, recent Grammy winner, the violinist Jennifer Coe. Uh, the project, Everything Rises, was their brainchild, and they wanted to have a platform to be able to express uh, their experience with racism in classical music, as well as unpack the racialized traumas of Devon's family. We have interviews with his grandmother and also Jennifer's mother, who as a child experienced the horrors of the Korean War and also had suffered through many difficulties as an immigrant scholar in the United States. And Everything Rises was created by an all BIPOC creative team. What do you feel is the importance of reclaiming and creating space for artists of color? Yeah, I mean, so so much of my life, for example, I felt like I had to live up to a standard, uh, a frame. I, I was born in New York, but my family, when I was about eight eight months old, we moved to Japan and um, we sp- spoke Japanese at home. We still speak Japanese at home. Then we uh, moved to Switzerland, where I first started speaking English at the international school there, but most of my teachers were British. So initially as a child, I had a British accent. And then we finally settled in California and Los Angeles. And in the neighborhood where I grew up, um, most of my my colleagues did not look like me or sound like me, or I certainly didn't sound the way they expected me to sound either. I worked really hard in high school and got a congressional nomination, got into West Point, and actually went there. I survived uh, the the plebe year, which is still um, the hardest year of my life. And then going into the second year, I suffered an injury in a training accident and I couldn't continue on with that anymore. So I had to go home and convalesce for two years and try to figure out what I would do with the rest of my life. Thankfully, the year before I went off to college, I discovered Jimi Hendrix. So I started playing electric guitar. And during the two years of my convalescence, all I was doing was going to physical therapy and playing guitar eight, nine hours a day. And by the time that I got healthy enough to think about going back and finishing my education, I thought maybe I could do it in music. So I found a school in Boston called um, Berkeley College of Music. I credit Jimi Hendrix for turning me into a, a composer, inspiring me. But it was at 20th century uh, masters like Bela Bartok and Stravinsky that inspired me to be a composer. And then gradually, uh, I went into uh, graduate school, and, and now I'm a professor at UC Berkeley. And so um, this is why I think it's important to create space so that people who are BIPOC or you know, other kinds, all other kinds of marginalized communities can be given space to tell their own stories, because um, often 
the mainstream society, we take it for granted that uh, being an American is this monolithic singularity, whereas I think and I still hope that being American, the, the a real American dream and promise is is built out of the fabric of the complexity of all of these different kinds of lives. And we have uh, very rich and different stories to tell that I hope that um, can contribute. So what I tried to do was to listen to what they wanted to express, coming from a point of empathy too, knowing the kind of narratives and uh, difficulties I had to, to go through too that creates an empathic space and then i wrote the music and also the libretto to try to voice to versify what they wanted to to say thank you so much for sharing that uh, background that's such a fascinating route that you took to where you are now it's amazing um so you're the composer of the show and i was reading a little bit about some of your artistic decisions that you've made to convey that central story so for example your score is kind of an analog to code switching, which I found was really fascinating. Could you speak more on that or other artistic decisions? Yeah. So I thought coming from immigrant families, we're the ones who have to speak different languages, eat eat different foods, and also learn the codes of behavior and even distort our bodies to fit into different spaces, right? And so we are code switchers. And so the piece navigates through different styles of music, like classical classical music, as well as things that uh, allude to Korean traditional music and also more pop and noise. And these things are, these genre allusions are, I think, a broader landscape of what I think I listen to. We are also kind of, you know, it's there. And now, nowadays, we listen to more kinds of music than ever before. So that's also been our, besides being an analog to uh, more contemporary lives of marginalized communities, it's also embracing the reality of the broadness of our, our contemporary listening. That's what I'm trying to bring into classical music. I think one element that the show has that's so fascinating is the exploration of family history through recorded interviews with the artist's family members. Could you tell us more about that aspect and how it's structured in the show? Oh, yes. So we have interviews with Devon's grandmother, Alma, and she talks about her mother and grandmother and how there's been a history of of lynchings and racialized traumas and histories and as well as a, a vector of hope, you know. She talks about her grandmother, Easter, who was a slave and had these big welts and scars on her back, but then her grandchildren, like Devon and his brother, were graduated from MIT, Harvard, and, and Juilliard, and Devon's, you know, a uh, rising national, international star in the opera world, right? So that talks about the kind of generational vectors of hope you know that we can build towards and the interviews with Jenny's mother unpacks some of her experience as a child living through the horrors of the Korean War her family was displaced from northern uh, Korea had to move to the south and there is some language that's shockingly similar well, when listening to some of Jenny's mother's uh, words, like she saw after a mortar shall attack bodies strewn and 
these these different parts of the bodies hanging from trees and that that made us think of course directly of the song strange fruit and the lyrics from that and and lynchings and how these even the optics of these 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 horrors the violence can you know resonate mm-hmm. unfortunately with each other and there's so these are the two kind of parallel what we call parallel histories and there's also a song that Devon sings and um, Jenny accompanies him called Parallel Histories as a way to kind of bring them together so that then they resonate with the different songs that that give a frame to the interview material, voiceovers of Alma, Devon's grandmother, and Jennifer's uh, mother. There's a moment towards the end of the, the piece where Jennifer's mother apologizes to Jennifer, you know, saying like, this is hard being an immigrant here, but, you know, for the second generation, the Jennifer's mom apologizes to, to Jenny because she says that the first generation has a choice to come to America, but Jenny never had a choice, you know, to go through this and, and also that she was working so hard that she didn't really have a, a moment to to acknowledge and celebrate Jenny's success and, and embrace her, you know, and and that's a moment where we have video and these voiceovers and but uh, Jennifer and Devon are just present and and listening and for me that's one of the emotional highlights of the piece. What do you hope, you know, viewers or audience members will take away from this piece after walking away tomorrow? Yeah, that's many things, right? I mean, I hope they find some things that are beautiful. There are also tunes and songs that I have also, I hope that I have appropriately uh, created a platform to showcase Devon and Jenny's performances. So that, you know, it's, it's really Jenny's first project where she is... Is, is claiming a space of narrator, right? She's been an interpreter, of, one of the greatest interpreters of the classical repertoire, Bach and, uh, you know, Tchaikovsky competition and, and um, all of these, you know, the, the classical repertoire is about inhabiting and interpreting. So I hope the audience acknowledges that and also helps support BIPOC artists when they want to tell their own story, not like when they come to sing or play violin for their favorite classical war horses, right? And that there are also uh, different kinds of, uh, there's, there's also beauty in that, and that there it's not mutually exclusive. We're not computing to erase. We love, we're classical musicians. We love classical music, you know? But we also want to help create a space that are narratives are also heard Mm -hmm. and the world premiere of everything rises will be taking place tomorrow in campbell hall at uc santa barbara so what brought the work to ucsb and where else will be performed next well uh arts on letters uh helped support us and they commissioned it so we've been lucky to be here in beautiful santa barbara where it's sunny and uh by the beach and it's been such a great working environment and the and the team at campbell hall 
so we're we're lucky to be able to have this time here this week. You know, we're putting the final touches mm -hmm. on it. And and then next we will go to Royce Hall at UCLA on Thursday. So in two days after we premiere tomorrow. Well, thank you so much, Ken. Is there anything else you'd like to add about Everything Rises or just anything you want listeners to know? I think it's critical to support you know, BIPOC teams creating artwork on this scale at this moment because, you know, Devon and Jenny, world-class artists, so they're being given this platform and I'm lucky to help them at this moment. But so much of the industry depends on like how many you know people come and sit right so the support is really important and i hope the audiences listening will come out to support it because what it translates to is you know people who are listening your agency in the future too you know by supporting us we can help you know affect change to help you too i think we can all work together that way That was Ken Ueno, composer of Everything Rises, a staged musical work about reclaiming agency through ancestral memory. Everything Rises will be making its world premiere on Tuesday, April 12th at Campbell Hall at UC Santa Barbara. Tickets are $35 for community members and free for UCSB students. For more information, head to artsandlectures.ucsb.edu. With KCSB News, I'm Ashley Rush.